All I'm doing these days is burning my clothes. I'm going to be naked. What the f*** is going on down there? At least we don't have to worry about dealing with any kinds of uh, nonsense when we come into this room in a state of pure energy to talk about Transformers. Hi, Seth. Hi. Welcome to WTF. TFW! Hi. Uh, you didn't do the countdown. I feel the feel discombobulated that's all right i almost actually did then i was like wait i haven't done a countdown in like two months why would i start doing it now oh i didn't even realize we haven't done one for a while yeah uh, i've been that's because we've been rolling is why yeah okay. uh, i'm rolling right back off of fan expo i went to my very first fan expo it's the third biggest uh nerd convention in north america nice and uh, I was afraid that it was going to suck because I've avoided it for several years because I kept it kept looking like a mess that would suck. Uh, and it actually was quite fun. Like I got the four day pass because I didn't want to have to think about doing everything in one or two days. Uh, I wanted to just come and go as I please. And uh, I never was in line to get into the building because I cool. didn't go to the north building where all the celebrities are. I went to the south building where everything else is. <laughs> And it, it turns out when you have all the celebrities in one building, it makes the other building very easy to get into if you just go directly to that building. So I was, was yeah, very... that's what I would do. Yeah, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised. I did see um, Charlotte Flair from a distance. <sighs> so I basically had the whole celebrity... Because I was in the North Building on, on the Thursday when I was hanging out with uh, a couple other Canadian Transformers folks. And we were waiting for one Cheers Ian who was busy getting photo ops and autographs with the four WWE guests... And uh, so while we were milling around there, I was trying to see who was at their desk, and I saw I saw Charlotte was at her table doing autographs, and I saw next to her a big empty seat where Triple H was supposed to be, and I was like, <laughs> hey, Trips, what's with the bad look <laughs> not being at your table with the huge line? Uh, and uh, yeah, it was it was fun. Um, I think I might you actually had to do comb it his beard. Yeah, I never got to see him, so I'm not sure how how straight his beard was. And the photo that Ian got, it, it looked pretty well kempt. Um, also, the banners above the WWE people were all for pay per views that are like two or three months old now, but they all said like tune in like July 17 or whatever. <laughs> and I was well, like, they just brought the banners they had. I guess they just had Raw in Toronto. I think that within that week, and I so yeah, I guess they just whatever they had lying around, they just put up and. It, I, again, I thought that was kind of a poor look, like advertising old pay-per-views, but whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, that'll, I'll talk more about that later on in the show. Well, we we have a convention coming up. The Santa Rosa Toy Con is coming back. Hey! For its sixth consecutive year at the end of the month, September 22nd. That's one more than five. Uh, the Le LeVar Burton is on the guest list. That guy is cool. Uh, He's actually in Transformers. He's in Rescue Bots. Nice. RJ, uh, RJ Mitt, Might, the, the crutches kid from Breaking Bad. Oh, okay, okay. I always forget Breaking Bad actor names because I, 
I was one of those people who knew them as character names first and foremost, yeah. and to the point of disrespect. So I just sort of like <laughs> stop addressing them as people and address them more as the actor who played character. Uh, otherwise, uh, from... I'm just like, oh, you mean Walter Jr. We're all, we're also getting Adam Baldwin. No, oh. the eh. guy that says awful things. <laughs> The, but he's in that show that we all love. Except that that's the one Firefly figure that I see stinking up discount stores even in Canada. Is all the Janes are all just sitting around because no one wants them anymore. Uh, and, both and variants la- even. Last but not least, Lou Diamond Phillips! Hey. Because he's got time. Yeah. <laughs> no, no honky tonk this time? No, the, the Honky Tonk Man is the only wrestler they've ever had. Aww. Yeah. But wonder, Timmy from Lassie, John Provost, will be there for the sixth time in a row. That's not the Because he's got time. He <laughs> probably lives around here. Oh, uh, I'm happy for Timmy. Uh, Seth, I'm also happy to announce that we have a new Transformers franchise character reveal uh, that was done via Transformers Earth Wars, the older of the two currently active mobile games uh who i'm not exactly sure if this is we made these this character in two color palettes for earth wars or if it's earth wars is getting to debut this new transformers character who will ostensibly show up in other fiction later i'm not sure but uh these two are the sentius twins sentius maximus maximus that's the old name sentius magnus and sentius Malice. Apparently, Sentius Nobilius used to be a guardian of the relics of the primes, and then some prime literally chopped him in half, and he turned into a good version and a bad version of himself, who are both armed with one half of some sword that I think is the one that killed him. Yes, it it was. Um, So that's cool. He looks very much like Drift, even more so down the (laughs) kind of spooky Japanese motif of like straight up having banners on his backpack. Uh, yeah, when when I'm watching the video and the Autobot one is like meditating under a cherry blossom tree, I was like, "Wait, is this just a new version of Drift? Is did they like? Is this a driftier Drift? These straight up look like reskin Drifts who have been given an extra loincloth and back banners. Yeah, uh, they just increased the drift by like twenty five percent. However, they they don't have a vehicle mode like Drift does. They have a crab walker turret tank mode like Cyberverse Shockwave does, which was also a little disappointing because I was like, well, maybe this will turn into cool like spaceship cars. And then they just kind of like squat backwards and a bunch of guns come out of their stomachs. And I was like, oh, you know, all right, sure. That's okay. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure if these are Earth Wars exclusive or if Earth Wars got the exclusive. Um Either way, that's interesting that they, they came up with backstory for more, you know, mythology characters, even if in this scenario they look a little bit boring uh, and maybe even slightly tacky. Um, <laughs> it's it's the it part kind of huh? I was going to say it's the part where they look like they straight up have Drift's helmet and body structure. And, and but that's also where I'm like, is this just a fact of life that this is being done in Earth Wars where they don't have tons and tons of budget to make new models either? Yeah, that's possible. Um, the video also kind of felt like they looked at the Overwatch 
short with Hanzo and Genji and just made them both part Hanzo and part Genji. Yeah, I, I was confused. Like if you squished Hanzo and Gen- Genji together and then palette swap duplicated them, player one and player two colors. Like their their whole bio talks about how they're both armed with half a sword, and then I was just confused by the part where they also, I guess, have like a bow and arrow. Uh, not yeah. that it looks it looks good, looks cool, and it looks thematic with the armor design. It's just like like the the banner image made me think, oh, one has a sword, and one has a bow, but they're like, no, they both have swords and also bow, bows when they need them. So it's like, all right, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then the Decepticon one. Uh, if I played this game, I wouldn't want to use him based on this video because his chance to hit is like zero. Oh, the way this... the, the, the Autobot one is sitting there meditating, completely motionless. Mm-hmm. And Decepticon one like takes like three or four shots, completely missing before the, he reacts. It's like, what? The way this game works. You're, you're terrible. You're last, terrible last at shooting your it. bow. <laughs> Last I played it, this game does not actually have accuracy. You just sort of auto-hit stuff, and it drains meters. Because uh, this works like Clash of Clans. So, so you're going to end up missing, because you're not going to hit at all. He's going to do no damage. No, blow up all the walls around him. Maybe that's his Maybe that's his power. <laughs> Dude can't hit nothing in this. The can't only thing even... he hits are the bullets of the other guy, and that's probably the, the other guy that did all the work. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I know that we're both actually the same person. I'm going to make you look okay. <laughs> you looking terrible reflects badly Just, on me. Um, it's, it's not a good video. <laughs> again, I I can't fault the video because having seen their combiner videos, they are working with like they are working with everything they have. Is the best way to put it. They this is all in game models, and these in game models are not really meant to be looked at that closely in that larger resolution. <laughs> Uh, it's astounding what they pulled off with the combiner ones. So this, like, the fact that they even had a camera angle in this, I was impressed by. Um, I'm also amazed Earth Wars is still going. Uh, I'm I'm actually happy that they're trucking along because I would like to be attracted back to that game someday. It just was such uh, a boring and oddly guilt trip inducing slog if you were part of an alliance where it's like, oh, you can't spend uh 10 minutes every hour clicking stuff in the game for three days on a weekend and it's like no i can't because that doesn't sound like much until you hit hour four and you are still having to remember to take your phone out and click stupid buttons all the time um yeah i'm already doing that in star wars galaxy heroes thanks yeah and it sounds like galaxy of heroes actually has like character interaction and stuff like to hit ratios Oh, yeah. Uh, which, oh, boy. There's a lot of systems in that game. There are not a lot of... Well, there are more systems than when I last played it, but there are still, I don't think, not a lot of systems in uh, in Earth Wars, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, the Santius twins are here, so let's see where else they show up. Um, something that showed up that I wasn't really expecting to see at all is uh, Toy World, uh, the company who's been in some dire straits for the last year and a half or so, erupts out of nowhere a they showed up a couple weeks ago with like a legend scale wheeljack with three different head sculpts already done which i thought was pretty impressive looking but then they popped out with this thing this is called uh or this is based on uh the world war one bulldog transformer from transformers 5 the last night this is the really sad old man robot who like dropped his hat and it took like half his brain with it until he put it back on um he's living at anthony hopkins castle 
they're making a toy of him with a, a fairly cool looking alt mode and the robot mode is going to be scaled to look like and be in scale with voyagers from the studio series um studio series is all about bot mode scale and absolutely not about alt mode scale so i'm not really caring about the part where his tank mode is gonna you know like pr- probably be similar in size to like a car uh depending who you're looking at but uh i'm very into this idea because the doddering old man robots from the last night certainly feel like one of the last things hasbro will ever touch uh if they even decide to touch on them with studio series um so I'm 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 really digging how this looks, and I liked this character design uh, in the movie. It's one of my favorite parts of the movie. So I'm uh, probably gonna pick this up if I can. Yeah, I mean it looks cool. I like uh, World War One era tanks because people hadn't figured out tanks yet. Yeah, <laughs> like I love the earliest versions of any kind of machine. Like the earliest cars are similar, where it's just nobody knows what the right way is yet so they're just trying stuff and uh there's some crazy ass tanks from world war one and uh also uh one of the first thoughts that popped in my head is with this style of tank um which i think was a british tank if, if i am remembering correct like with that kind of tread that like goes all the way around the whole body of the thing it's, it's like what they base the land the land raider in 40k off of you know yes. the space marine thing yeah. yeah yeah i was i was gonna say like i would not be surprised if somebody modded one of these into a 40k thing and i think that would be pretty darn cool to be honest <laughs> yeah. like swap the head on this for like a space marine helmet um yeah Cut off some of the guns because, uh, oh, you know what? That tank don't got that many guns sticking out of it. Don't give them, I remember. Don't give them a robot mode head and remold the torso to look like a Space Marine dreadnought. Ah, and there you go. Two and one. Yeah, it's a dreadnought Land Raider. Now we're talking. That would probably be easier, too. Yeah, because without the big giant shoulder pads, like. That's not a space marine. No, no. This is like if they if you could somehow if, if it fits, I don't know if it would fit, but if you get like on, on the space marine version of this, make it look like a dreadnought and like instead of having like, you know, normal human looking arms, give them just those crazy dreadnought weapon arms. Yeah. Uh that would be cool. Um this is apparently uh looking like it's gonna be part of uh, a line of six figures Toy World wants to do, which may also include World War Two versions of Hot Rod and Bumblebee and a biplane version of Starscream. Uh, all the movie characters, of course. <laughs> I I love the concept art. I love it too. It's straight up napkin <laughs> art, but in MS paint, which makes it even better. Uh it's also kind of I think it's really funny because it's like this is the state of Toy World. <laughs> this is what their concept art looks like uh but i'm uh hoping this thing actually comes out like it, it looks like they've got a either a, a resin or a print it looks like she may be more like a printed prototype i'm not sure but they've got something physical done and that that's a big step maybe it's a resin print <gasps> oh i don't even want to go there uh but i hopefully we get some more news about it i don't usually highlight on here like just you know look new third party prototype but this was uh unique enough that i really wanted to talk about it for a bit uh oh here we yeah. go he uh he's apparently uh transforming into a 1917 mark IV tank bulldog from world war one uh, according right. to the front page item um but yeah 
Uh, it sounds like we're we're both into the Space Marine uh, retooling idea heavily. I'm I'm also into the actual figure, but I'm really getting myself sold on my own Dreadnought Land Raider thing. Um, yeah. Speaking of that World War II Bumblebee, though, they might get beaten to the punch because we got reveals from Fan Expo, which is where I just was. And the first of these reveals actually wasn't at Fan Expo, but it's kind of just bundled in with all of it because Hasbro sent out these high-res poster images at the same time as all the stuff revealed at Fan Expo. So they showed off these uh, posters for Siege, part one of the War for Cybertron trilogy. Uh, the main news of these posters is that it's showing what looks like kind of the, the Wave 1, Wave 2 casts, which implies that the Seekers are going to be in the line and they're going to turn into Tetrajets. It's also implying that Sideswipe uh, is going to get retooled into Red Alert, which surprised the entire fandom, I'm sure. And it's also implying that uh, Prowl is going to get a deluxe. So uh, that, that's sort of all the actual news. Everything else is just, it's pretty artwork, which is really nice to look at. But uh, yeah, I am hoping beyond hope that they actually are Seekers turning into Tetrajets. Because uh, until I see it, I'm thinking I might just, like, keep my expectations down where the rest of the line has me, which is F-15s with, like, four wings and some two. Um, but yeah, Seth, are you feeling anything from this art? Or is this just sort of like, look, it's uh, G1 characters being G1? Yeah. I mean, we've seen, like, the toys of some of this stuff already. So, like, yeah. kind of the most interesting part are the uh, are the Seekers. Which I really thought they were going to show off at Fan Expo. Yeah, and I mean, if if all the Autobots we're seeing here are that accurate to the toys we've seen coming, then it stands to reason that they're not fibbing about the Tetrajet thing. Yeah, now, this, this is kind of like there was a, a character in that Rid cartoon from a year or so ago uh, called oh. Thunderhoof. And then they said, no, we're going to make a Thunderhoof uh, good warrior toy. And I just refused to believe it existed until I would bought it. And I assumed everyone else who had one was lying. And it was part of a massive hoax. Because uh, I didn't want to get my hopes up. <laughs> and if the whole thing is they're supposed to be Cybertron modes. And as we discussed before, most of them just look like near future cars than mm -hmm. alien vehicles. Um, that would make the Seekers the most alien vehicle in the mm -hmm. Tetrajet, being the Tetrajets. And so, like I said, fingers crossed, and maybe the Decepticons in general will get to get away with being more alien for whatever reason. Like, uh, if they do a Megatron, he's probably going to be a tank, and maybe they'll get to go more alien with that. Maybe. Who knows? We'll find out. Yeah, hopefully at New York Comic Con. That's the last one this year uh, where they could drop the news, and they they probably will. But uh, at Fan Expo, they revealed some more Studio Series toys. And one, one of the links I threw in here for you in the bottom, that Twitter link is actually the photos I took of their butts uh, because I wanted to get a good look at the backpacks. Uh, these are a bunch of deluxes. Um, they sent out, like, official images as well. Uh, two sets of them, actually. But there's a World War II Bumblebee. Who turns into the, you know, it's like Nazi killer Bumblebee from that sequence in uh, Transformers 5, The Last Night. Uh, crankcase, a retool of um, Crowbar, who looks like he's going to have the exact same problem as Crowbar. 
Uh, Clunker Bumblebee, which looks like it's mostly a redeco of the Wave 1 Bumblebee with more rust and stuff, but hopefully also with the tooling improvements that were found on the gold version that came with the Dino Cassettes in the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. Uh, there's a deluxe barricade, which is satisfying my dream even further, and I'm very happy about it. And a deluxe movie sideswipe who looks gorgeous uh, in person and in photos. So uh, I'm I'm way into these deluxes if we pretend that Crankcase doesn't exist. Uh, I'm I'm super into getting all of them except Crankcase, uh, and and I'm probably gonna end up with Crankcase anyway, and then complain about them a whole lot. But um, seeing them in person, like they they are following the Studio Series thing for deluxes. They're all a little bit small in uh, in car mode and robot mode, but they have a certain sense of scale to them, and their transformations look incredibly fun, um, especially in person. Because a lot of like a lot of Studio Series deluxes uh, backpack up a lot of their alt mode, but they do a lot of them do it really well. And um, Barricade, Sideswipe, and World War II Bumblebee all looked like they were doing the backpack thing really well. Like, Barricade, from the front, the backpack was almost invisible. Uh, and it was kind of like, where the hell did the car mode go? Um, Sideswipe looks like just a very well-done figure. And granted, they were probably hand-painted. But it was looking a lot like Sideswipe might have the same silver paint treatment that Jazz got. Um, especially since he's the, the you know, roofless variant. Uh-huh. Um, so, Seth. Looking at these uh, these new Studio Series folks, how are you feeling? Well, kind of with all the movie, like the, the Studio Series Revenge of the Movie kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, they're nicer versions of figures I already have in a box and don't care about anymore. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to get too excited. Um, I mean, like this Sideswipe looks like a massive improvement over the original oh yeah like ridiculously so like right Um, down to the the blades being a better shape and actually being made out of the car like more so and barricade is always kind of cool uh but the only one that's like actually kind of interesting to me is the is the uh bumblebee the world war ii bumblebee Mm -hmm. just because that's completely new yeah. Like that hasn't happened before. There hasn't been a World War II Bumblebee before. Yeah. Um so that that's the most interesting oon. And if you like when you see the vehicle mode in person, like the vehicle mode does not look like Bumblebee whatsoever, you know, in, in a good way. Like it doesn't look like in any way shape or form this is some movie Bumblebee toy. Uh and there's there's like just cool touches. Well, I mean the head, the head is super movie Bumblebee. Oh yeah, I mean, I mostly mean the vehicle mode. Like okay. it, it just doesn't look like a bump. It doesn't look at all like any even remotely similar bumblebee shape. Like it looks like a hound from from every angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also really like that the hammer, the way it stores, is the handle of the hammer is a rotating gun sticking out the window. Uh, huh. Like it's just it's just a mean looking toy. And the, the really cute thing is all these Studio Series figures come with sort of a movie themed backdrop in their packaging. And uh, Bumblebee's is the scene where he and Hot Rod are blowing up like a Nazi HQ, but they very carefully put flames and explosions over top of anywhere where you might have seen a swastika, <laughs> uh, which I thought was adorable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm really looking forward to these these all these figures. Like the thing about the World War II Bumblebee that's also kind of cool is it looks like he's got a very interesting transformation where like a lot of that top of that car mode is a backpack but it folds up so much and then like 
another chunk of that car mode like turns into the inside back parts of his legs. So it's just he doesn't look like he's made out of that car when he's a robot. In in a and I mean that as a compliment. Um, so yeah, uh, I I think these look these, these look aces. They were really fun to look at in person and kind of you know visually poke and prod at. Um, and it it is more of a reveal than I think Fan Expo has ever had before uh, as far as Transformers stuff. Um, yeah, it's quite also, a bit. Yeah, they they also had reveals for Black Series and Marvel Legends, which I didn't really care about as much, except for the Black Series reveal because it was uh, Paul Bettany from Solo, um, and it, it looked like an okay Paul Bettany. Um, and they revealed, like, you know, classic Mystique for Marvel Legends, which is a figure I think everyone thought they were going to be doing for the last few years, so it's it's less exciting and more like, okay, finally. <laughs> um, also, like, you know, Naked Logan Weapon X uh, was revealed. Again, another, you know, six-inch Marvel Legends where you're kind of like, it's, it seems like a figure y'all are going to do, so I'm not really excited so much as, all right, we've checked the box that you're you're doing Naked Helmet VR Wolverine. Um, but yeah, it was, a, like I said before, the Fan Expo was a very fun event, and uh, the Hasbro booth and that whole experience was, it wasn't like the highlight, it was just a really nice accessory to the event. Like, the Hasbro booth was not a nightmare. There was almost never a lineup that was more than, like, two people long. Um... They had, you know, everything went 25% off at the end of the Saturday. And uh, because of that, I got myself, because I haven't opened it yet, so I have no real what we got stuff to say about it. But going 25% off did push me to get that Star Wars exclusive of Dr. Aphra and her assassin droids from the Darth Vader comic book. Um, They're not 6-inch, they're like 4-inch scale, but they're like the good 4-inch figures. Um, And I haven't read the book yet, but I've been so assured that I'm going to like it that I decided, like, hey, if they're 25% off, I'll just pick them up as a safety. So down the road, I don't go like, man, this book is great. Should have bought those toys. Lousy reason to buy toys. But uh, I did it. You can't stop me. <laughs> um, Going back to the um, the World War One tank fella. Yeah. Um, so I googled a Mark IV bulldog from World War One. Uh, I can't find no such tank ah. as a Mark IV bulldog. Uh, when you search bulldog and tank and any other specifications, you get a bunch of other later era tanks, uh, but nothing that shape. Uh, but I did find the H41 tank, mm-hmm. which looks like what that thing actually is supposed to be. I, I don't. I wonder if Bulldog was some Transformers part of that name. I, I was just reading that off the front page item, yeah. and Bulldog was in quotations, so maybe that's like a, a nickname or something that was added on for the the character. Um, well, a lot of uh, military vehicles get get uh, nicknames, get cute names, but I don't think that was the nickname for this tank. Ah. All right. But yes, it is definitely an H forty one. That's the uh, that's the numerical code that makes us like you. You want to say that when you want to also sound like just knowledgeable in general, yeah. like ah, the H forty one. I just uh, wanted to uh, state as much before we got uh, any messages correcting us when a we violent, don't know any better because we are not tank- tankists. I am not a tankitician. I don't have a high level of knowledge in the field of tank tank atrocity. Um, 
The one other thing I wanted to mention about the the Studio Series figures before we we close that topic, Clunker Bumblebee, um, the hand painting they did for the Rust literally just looked like he had human poop smeared all over his roof. Oh, uh, terrific! And uh, I thought I, it was actually it was pretty great because I was like, hey, that's where Sam and Michaela got their funny business on at the end of the 07 movie. I wonder if uh, they just straight up, you know, had a loss of bowel control and. This figure represents that time Sam defecated all over his buddy Bumblebee, and maybe that's why Bumblebee doesn't talk anymore, even after his voice box is repaired. I don't know. Uh, I'm just the writer. Hey, Seth, what's going on? Hey. Um, uh, you know, maybe there was a Mark IV, but I don't know if they were called a Bulldog. When I search for Bulldog Mark IV, I, I don't find it. All right. But this Mark V, um, it says, was a improvement of earlier models from uh, 1918, where in the front page thing, the Mark IV was listed as being from 1917. I hope earlier. we have. I hope we have a tankistician <laughs> listening to the show who can clarify all this. But also, I kind of hope we don't have a tankistician listening to the show because we've probably made them very upset by now. Just bouncing back and forth through all this information. Yeah, I don't know. I need to stop worrying about it. Because I'm just letting myself be distracted. If These it's are yeah, really cool tank shapes, so. If we if we do end up having a tankistician weighing in on this, then we will have the proper tankistician approved information by the time this episode has a topic thread. It'll be tanktacular. Tanks tank astron tank. This is going to work. Tank astronomical. I hurt my mouth. It almost almost felt like you were trying to bend tank into Eric Estrada's name. I can can confirm. uh, (laughs) I can make the statement. I can confirm that is not what I was doing. But it may have coincidentally sounded like that. Uh, oh, the little, sorry, Seth, Seth sent me a link to the Mark V tank, and the little teeny little podium-looking platform that the, the dude stands at at the top is positively adorable. Like, it just looks like, it looks like a little podium from which you give a speech on top of your tank. Okay, I found a picture of a Mark IV replica. But they do not... Anywhere here, refer to it as a bulldog. We but should it just was start. used in the film Warhorse. Let's start calling it a bulldog and acting like that is its name. It's just only people on the inside would know that. I'm going to call it a warhorse because it was in the movie Warhorse. Also, that link I just sent you is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, that you might have a virus now. We might be infected. We both have. Terrible viruses. Alamy stock photo, what have you done? <laughs> uh, Seth, we've got a listener question I'd like to hit this week. Okay. Is it uh, how do I get rid of this terrible virus? That's in my probably computer? next week, depending how much that the the, the Alamy virus turns itself into some kind of audially transmitted thing. Uh, but this question is not a virus. This comes in from Inhuman Elm. Uh, who says, hey, Chris, no. can I call you Chris? Are we cool like that? And company. Uh, we are cool like that. No. You can call me Chris if you like. Well, apparently the rest of us aren't cool like that. You're all company. If we're just, we're not even company, we're just co. Well, I mean, it's an abbreviation. <coughs> you know, character count is important. 
Um, even if this was not sent via Twitter. Uh, quick note, my last question sounded kind of presumptuous, so I wanted to reiterate <laughs> that I'm super thankful for all the fine work you guys do, and your podcast is amazing. I never assumed any less. Uh, question reads, here's a list of things I bought this year. Last Night Infernicus, Throne of the Primes Optimus Primal, Titan Class Predaking, who comes with Onyx Primal. What do they all have in common? I bought each one slightly more excited about the small accessory figure than the main figure in each set. While I certainly enjoy Optimus Primal and Predaking, Infernicus was on sale, so it's still okay, it's got me wondering, when have you bought a figure more for the accessory than the actual figure itself? Uh, P.S. Yes, I acknowledge this is not the most financially savvy way to collect toys, but if I was going to make smart money decisions at this point, I wouldn't have this awesome toy collection and Infernicus. Um, the joke there, Seth, is Infernicus, the combiner from Transformers 5 The Last Night, got a toy that was a retool of Beast Hunter's Abominus, and it was not very good. Uh, or it was okay, but then they charged, like, leader price point for it. Infernicus is probably not great. I ended up not getting Infernicus. I almost got it because of the little accessory it came with. Um, but Seth, I wanted to ask you, have you ever bought a toy? It doesn't have to be Transformers. But I feel like we've talked about this before where it's like a figure has a thing with it that is almost yeah. more enticing than the figure. Yes, I have bought lots of toys uh, for their accessories more than the actual figure. Um, Like almost all the... Uh, were they Figma? I think they were Figmas. I think the anime series was Akon. Was it Akon? Aeon? Uh, oh, it's God. like high um, school girls in a band, and they're a band. Akon? I don't know. I actually, they, I don't know at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It was a long time ago. So I bought like all of them just for their instruments. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even sure what happened to the figures of the girls, but I know exactly where the instruments are. <laughs> um, pretty much, pretty much every wrestling figure I ever bought mm-hmm. was to get whatever ladder or table or crazy robe well, like, or jacket general, that they come with. <laughs> the accessories that come with wrestling figures usually have better sculpts than the wrestling figures do. Yeah. So or I, I see where you're coming like from. Crazy clothing pieces. Yeah. Like uh the honky tonk man's jumpsuit. Which I used to have on my Mayfex Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've I've done that a lot. Yeah. I uh, um, I I have done it a lot in past. I try not to do it as much anymore for the sake of constantly trying to figure out reasons to not buy things but like there was a fig arts iron man that i bought because he came with the couch from iron man 3 uh and i wanted a six inch figure scale couch and then there was uh there was another fig arts toy of a character i really liked i think this was i think this was common rider bravo but he came with a wine glass and that wine glass was like perfect looking with a ton of other stuff and then the couch was perfect looking for common rider bravo so yeah, I've I've I have bought figures for accessories before where the figure was yeah. definitely like, oh, I guess it came with this too. Uh and yeah, that's why I, I tried to a, stop. <laughs> I bought a really dumb looking Jack Swagger wrestling figure because he came with a uh, a ladder and a don't tread on me flag. <laughs> <laughs> that I've done nothing with. 
Well, you can never have enough ladders. Each one of those ladders is a potential hardcore (laughs) world champion. Yeah. Um, But yeah. What what I'll I'll say to you in Human Elm, do not feel bad because A, lots of us end up doing that. And B, as long as you're acknowledging that it's a pretty dumb way to spend money, then you're, you're winning half of the battle. Uh, that's, that's what I tell myself when I do stupid things with money is as long as I realize this is stupid, then at least I'm not like convinced this is a good idea. I'm still doing it, (laughs) but, uh, I feel like that level of self-awareness is an important thing to recognize. I got that Andre the giant because it came with a removable Afro piece. I forgot about the Afro Andre. (laughs) You could stick the Afro on and then he's seventies Andre. Take it off and he's eighties Andre. That's such a weird thing to put together. Yeah, you troop build your Andres. Yes, right. (laughs) The 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 multi generational Andre squad. Yeah. uh, who actually would probably win a lot of fights if you had like five different Andres from throughout time. I, I would not mess with five Andre the Giants. I would leave if five Andre the Giants came into the room looking <laughs> to have a fight. I would just leave quietly and politely. <laughs> Even if they were near the end excruciating back pain Andres, I wouldn't mess with those. I feel like excruciating back pain Andre could still friggin like he had a cane and the idea of Andre the Giant hitting me with a stick is terrifying. Well, even if he just lifted his arm and let the weight of his arm drop onto your neck, that would probably do you a bad time. Kill you! Feel <laughs> <laughs> like this tree trunk falling down on you. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any other... I know I've bought other figures for dumb accessories, but like some of the Batman the Animated Series figures, when I was getting less interested in the figures, I was like substituting some of that almost out of guilt to want to keep picking up the lion i was like well the accessories are so cool with this figure um but even then now it's 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 kind of like i can't deal with these figures being 30 bucks a piece and not doing enough uh i think there have been some 3a toys where the figure itself didn't attract me but maybe not an accessory so much as like parts of the outfit seemed so cool i wanted to see how it worked oh um like, uh, they, they, I, you know how Bambaland will put up a toy and then it comes out like two and a half years late after you've paid for it? Yeah. Uh, so I, that happened to me actually a few months ago with, uh, it's, uh, what was it? Uh, Von de Plume, the commander of the Expleta V9, um, who's just like a, he's a de Plume in like a, a trench coat with like twin gas canisters attached to his gas mask, uh, like as a backpack. And I had the 12-inch one from a 3AA membership, and I, I really liked the design of that character. So I, I I probably didn't need to get the 112 scale one, but I was like, I want to know how they get all this to work at 112 scale because they've gotten better with their ankles. And uh, it is <laughs> a really nice figure. <laughs> but that was a... It was partly that and also like, I sure would like to use my 3AA discount on something this year. And that was kind of the story of getting that figure. Yeah, um, I haven't gotten a... 3a thing in a long time every now and then I, I see a couple kicking around but they're always either robots i already have two or three copies of or they're a robot mold i don't have but in all the wrong colors and then i'm like i'm just gonna keep waiting for that perfect combination of circumstance yeah. well they did that thing a few years ago where they were like new scale oh that's 3a go i just avoid doing that. it all again at a new scale and i was like i'm out 
I got three Ego figures of the, the, the Nom Commanders and a Birdie because it was a 3AA membership box. And it was neat. The figures were kind of cool. I thought that the 112 scale figures were categorically superior, though. And so I was like, I'm not really interested in collecting three Ego outside of this trio. Because, um, like, a three Ego Birdie, basically, it's like a slightly larger portable Birdie. And when it's a robot, it's kind of hard to really tell the difference. So the Birdie was fine. But the three Ego human body was like, to be more like Mego, they don't have bicep swivels. And I was like, that doesn't seem like a feature at all. <laughs> That's a downgrade. Uh, <laughs> Just what? Mego toys were bad. <laughs> but in comparison, uh, I mean, they were fine then, but we've evolved. Why are we going backwards? I don't know why that's my voice for talking about 3A toys right now, because I, I kind of I rather like talk about them normally, and maybe I'd like to repurpose that voice as my new NECA voice, if I could. Uh, boy, howdy, I'm interested in seeing how those seven-inch movie ninja turtles are gonna look when they come out at gamestop after it was stated that they would never come out anywhere except that box set there, oh, speaking of it. buying things for their accessories i gotta get that fonzie that those uh those what? Mego kind of style figures at targets uh that's that's not There's Mego style that fonzie. is actual Mego, i believe well okay cool but there's a if fonzie and i could get that leather jacket yeah, that's what it was. It's like they got them like Mego as a license as a, as a named company, at least, or as a name is on those toys, which are released at Target. And unfortunately, it seems the first license, well, unfortunately, depending on your taste, it seems the first licenses they got were like Happy Days and Golden Girls and uh, Married with Children. Oh, right. That, too. There's like so, a lot of stuff from the 70s. Yeah. Those aren't actually bad license choices for, like, modern Mego, in my opinion. But when it was presented that those are also highly unengaging for anyone who might just be wandering through a Target, I couldn't yeah. disagree. Uh, as much as I really like Married with Children on a on a very nostalgia-driven way, um, I can't deny that, like, that and Golden Girls and Happy Days is not going to turn any heads. <laughs> or it'll yeah. turn heads but not make the person who turned their heads stop walking. Yeah, maybe in your first giant batch, because there's a lot of skews in this initial wave. Um, maybe you try to get some more current licenses and mix in some of the 70s stuff. Um, like one action character of some kind? Well, there's an action man. Oh, is there? Yeah. Okay. That, okay, that's something. Yeah. Also, the Fawns. That's right. The Fonzie is an action man. He rides a motorcycle and he jumps that motorcycle over things. Like sharks. And barrels. Yeah. Ah, I can't forget about that. Owls. I forgot and then about he that wipes Mego out thing. and it's a cliffhanger. No, like, no. Oh no, the Fonzie he skid his bike on the full pavement of the parking lot at Owls. Henry Winkler! It's Henry, right? Not no. Harry? Yes. I was about to say Harry Winkler, and then I stopped myself. Hey, actually, this reminds me of a little story that happened at Fan Expo. Seth, do you know this comic was, book guy ooh. called John Byrne? Yes. Um, he's an autograph I would like to get someday. And yeah. I don't usually care about autographs. So, 
so Daryl, uh, one of the hosts of Transmissions, was uh, at Fan Expo just on Saturday. And I was trying to figure out where he was because I wanted to go hang out with people I know who are at Fan Expo. So I finally got a hold of him on Twitter and he was like, I'm in line for John Burns. So I said, oh, I'll come join you in the line. Keep you company. Uh, I had nothing for John Byrne to sign, but I was like, I'll chill out with, with folks in the line. So me and Daryl chilling out. And while I'm in line, I realized at one point we were like sixth or seventh from the end of the line. And then we realized they had capped the line. And then like two or three people had come to line up and were told they couldn't line up anymore. And then I realized, wait a second, I appear to now be part of this line. Uh, and I have nothing for John Byrne to sign. So this is awkward. Uh, and I didn't want to leave because I was like, I'm going to hang out with Daryl. So, uh, being a very virtuous person, I said, Daryl, can you give me one of your books so I can get John Byrne to sign it so these people don't think I am an asshole? Um, so he handed me an issue of, uh, I believe, Next Men. Uh, it, was a, it was a cover that was the first appearance of Hellboy, I believe. Uh, anyway, uh, John Byrne had a bunch of rules. Like, he'd only sign up to ten things for you. They had to be things he worked on. You have to have them unbagged and ready to go when you get to, to the front of the line. So I got the thing unbagged and ready to go. I asked Daryl when I could unbag it because I was like, Daryl, you handed me the one comic that appears to be in a hard top loader. So I need you to tell me when I can open the tape on this. <laughs> uh, so I go up to John Byrne with my one random issue of Next Men. And I'm like, hello there. And he's like, hello there. And then I hand him the comic. And I'm like, I, mean, I probably shouldn't say anything because I'm kind of faking being in this line. So I should get this over with before this gets weird. And then John Byrne says, so how's, how are you doing? Well, he's signing the thing. I'm like, oh, you know, uh, it's a very fun show. It's my first time here. Ooh, I am tired, though. And then John Byrne, like, gave me this look while he's doing the six millionth signature he's done that weekend. And he's like, you're tired. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, obviously not as tired as you are what with you doing all the autographs and things. And by the way, I do appreciate it. And so he gives me a little nod and then I take the comic book and I'm like, best of luck. I, no, I almost said best of luck to you, which would have been really weird. <laughs> so I said, like, hope you have good a luck, good rest nerd. of the day. <laughs> <laughs> like, have a good rest of the day. And then uh, Daryl got his comic signed and then we, we walked away so I could give him his comic back. And I was like, you know, that Jim Byrne guy is pretty cool. And then Daryl's like, John. His name is John Byrne. And I was like, right, John Byrne. And then there was like this moment where I think he and I, maybe he did, and I know I for a second went like, did I call him Jim Byrne to his face? <laughs> uh, anyway, that's how I met John Byrne. Um, I got the impression that he both expects deference but doesn't really like it. So I've decided to take our encounter as we're friends now. Uh, and he seems like the kind of guy who, uh, in a perfect storm, you would make irritated just enough for him to jump over the table to have a fight with you. But then if you do it right, he'll take you out for drinks afterwards and be like, no, nah, we're friends. Um, so that's my John Byrne story. Yeah, when I was a youth, at, I think it was the first WonderCon, maybe the second, might have been the second WonderCon. Back when it was still in Oakland, California, and not Anaheim, um, one of the vendors my dad knew for somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Marty, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, my kid, he likes these nerd books. He's a little dweeb. 
And he goes, cool, kid. Hey, check it out. Do you like the X-Men? And I was like, yeah, of course I like the X-Men. What are you, stupid mister? And he goes, okay, here you go. And he reaches into a, a long box and he pulls out an issue. He goes, check it out. This is the first issue of X-Men written by Chris Claremont and art by John Bryan. This is the first time they worked together. They would go on to work together on X-Men for like a thousand years. Um, you could have it. That's a freebie. Also, the inker is signing autographs right behind you. You could go get his autograph. <laughs> so it. Uh, I've always thought, like, I should get the rest of the autographs on this. <laughs> yeah. So John Bryan and Chris Claremont are on my hit list. So I don't know um, where, where to find a Chris Claremont, but it sounds like John Byrne goes to shows like Fan Expo all the time. Yeah, I forget the inker's last name, but his first name was Terry. It was Terry something. Hmm. I forget. It was a long time ago. I was a kid. By the way, if someone out there listening did not get into the John Byrne line on Saturday, I just want to say from me to you, I'm really sorry that I potentially took your spot, but I didn't quite understand what was happening in it until it was far too late <laughs> to to amend the situation whatsoever. Uh, I think only a few people in line caught the part where I was asking someone in line to give me a book to get signed. Um, so if only we'd known that this would be the case, Daryl could have brought another 10 books to get signed. Because uh, mm. Daryl brought 100 books to get signed at TFCon. And uh, I was like, man, I wonder if if, if he's going to bring 100 here. But he was, he was prepared and he also, uh, there was the 10 book limit and Daryl had less than 10 books, I believe. So I was, I was quietly, but truthfully... Um, supportive of his restraint. Uh, I believe he brought, I think it was called Next Men. It's John Burns' Next Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, he that that was the bulk of what he had brought to get signed. Um, but yeah, yeah. at another at another WonderCon, um, the only comic book my brother cared about was Gru the Wanderer. I know Gru and, the Wanderer, right? And Sergio. Arganas, I've sorry if I mispronounce that name. I've never been able to pronounce his last name um, to the point of part, right? I doubt myself. Well, that's that's the easy part. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he was signing autographs. My brother brought his copy of Gru the Wanderer number one uh, from Epic Comics, which was a sub label of Marvel. Yep. And then there was a later Gru number one that I think was just a straight marvel label but he had the the epics version and the first page on that was a self portrait of sergio it was just one big splash like one page and he's introducing the character and himself and uh, and i hope you enjoy it and he's drawn himself like he's lifting up the corner of the page and there's just a white space where like the page is curled up and Sergio drew a little Gru in there along with his autograph. Oh, and awesome. the guy, yeah, the guy behind my brother in line geeked out and was like, oh, that was amazing. That's amazing. And uh, then as my brother's stepping aside, the guy behind him sets down like every issue of Gru. <laughs> he wanted like the entire run autographed. And Sergio looks at the stack and looks at the guy and says, uh, well, I'm not going to do that for you. <laughs> like draw the draw the little picture. 
It's good. And then the dude's like, huh? He goes, you could have a little picture or you could have all of these autographed, but I'm not going to do both. <laughs> and, uh, and my brother was telling my dad and I that because we weren't there. And my dad's like, I like this Sergio guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, also, my dad was a fan of that dude from Mad Magazine because he was a Mad Magazine illustrator. Yes. Um, when my dad was a kid. Um, I, I I recall before I was able to identify the name being the same because I wasn't paying attention to that when I was that young. Uh, that I was like, it's weird how this whole comic book looks a whole lot like a bunch of Mad Magazines I read. That's my my Gru story, basically. Yeah. That and I was um, I was wigged out when I saw the Marvel um in like you know the top left of cover Marvel Square um that they had back then when I saw that on on, yeah. on Gru I was like does this mean that he's in the Marvel universe? Yes. Gru versus Captain America Civil War three. Hey. Um. Yeah, but Sergio is going to be at the Santa Rosa Toy Con on September twenty second. Beautiful. And <laughs> Rosa, California, and uh. If his table isn't too busy, I want to tell him that story because it's one of my favorite stories and it's cool. Yeah, tell him the story. See, I don't know. See if he'll he'll draw you a little groove ninety nine times. <laughs> what would be amazing is if I could find that comic. It yeah, might be in my dad's garage. What if you find it and then he adds a second little groove next to the one from all those years ago? Oh my god, I got to go to my dad's house and dig around his garage. Yes. Um, I also wanted to clarify because it, it, it's bouncing off that story. In case people haven't listened to our TFCon recordings, Daryl does not actually plunk down a hundred comics in front of artists at TFCon and say sign these. He uh, <laughs> he, do, he 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 rations them out and also waits until the the artist table is not super busy. So Daryl is a good fan. Uh, we just make fun of him for bringing long boxes to conventions because his co-hosts do, and that means it's okay to do it. Um. Also at a WonderCon, I'm in line for the Rob Leefield autographs, and somebody two people ahead of me in line had a stack of at least 30 copies of the first appearance of Cable, plunks them all down in front of Rob, Rob stands up to start fanning through the stack, gets like six or seven down, looks at the guy and says, are these all first appearance Cables? I'm thinking of that Sergio story. Where, like, maybe Rob's going to be like, I can't autograph this many. There's a big-ass line. The guy says, yeah. Rob goes, that's smart. And then starts autographing them. Oh, I remember you telling me this story. Yeah, Rob was like... <laughs> Rob Leefield sucks. 100% just like, that's right. The the death of the comics industry that nearly happened in the 90s. I'm super cool with it. In fact, I'm going to convince you it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, it's well, that was, that was right at the, the beginning yeah. Of the 90s boom. It's like, what's up? Thanks for being part of the problem, Rob Liefeld. And the year before, nobody was asking Rob for an autograph. He was just sitting in artist alley being ignored, except for me. I asked him for an autograph, and he was kind of a dick about it. Well. He was just sitting there doing nothing, and then I interrupted his nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I tried to pay him a compliment, he was just like, oh, thanks. I bet he's not going to want to come on this podcast anytime soon. No, we got to trick him yeah. so I can confront him. Hey, we got the world's biggest first appearance of Cable fan here on the show. Where it's a Transformers podcast, but, you know, Cable is Smart. part robot. So you should 
come onto this podcast so he can tell you the story of how you touched his life. Hey, Rob, you know what the best part of Deadpool is? When you weren't working him on, on him anymore and other people made him interesting and fun. What happens when... your original version of Deadpool was nothing. What happens when Rob Liefeld shows up at the Santa Rosa Toy Convention? Well, he's probably getting close enough to the bottom of the barrel that he might. Because <laughs> if he does, and you when need... that happens, I will challenge him to a fight club. You need to get him to record a WTF a TFW spot, and then right after he finishes doing it, go like, "By the way, you suck," and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then keep it running as he just jumps over the table. <laughs> now you just hear the sound of me like pathetically trying to run away (laughs) (laughs) just hear the straight up like audio scuffle (laughs) get off of me rob get off of me rob lefield (laughs) you took that back you son of a bitch (laughs) i created young blood i I remember young blood is a ripoff of something else rob you know it (laughs) (laughs) in between every few noise you just hear like (laughs) 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 one point you're just like 31 first appearance cables are you serious (laughs) <laughs> and then oddly enough he knows exactly what you're talking about that guy was smart <laughs> <laughs> those are probably worth ten dollars by now <laughs> i looked it up in wizard <laughs> and he's like, in the middle of a sentence you hear him because like i looked at no back off let me settle this <laughs> yeah he goes i looked it up in wizard it's like yeah they'd be worth more if your autograph wasn't on them <laughs> You decreased the value, Rob. <laughs> uh, I like the idea of this. We should do this. This is this is only a good idea. Because <laughs> then, at the very last minute, when you're like, "How do we get out of the situation?" You just whistle, and then your boy Honky Tonk just runs up behind him and cracks a guitar over his head. Yeah, he goes, that'd be amazing. And he goes like, "Now we're even, boy." That's my Honky Tonk Man impersonation. <laughs> Actually, what would probably happen is LeVar Burton would make us feel bad for fighting. True. <laughs> True. Yeah, LeVar Burton's the one who breaks it up. <laughs> yeah. But then, like, he gives us, like, a lecture that none of us could, like, neither one of us could, like, argue back because it's LeVar Burton. And yep. it's, like, the only thing that would be worse is if it was, like, a Mr. Rogers doing it. <laughs> but... <laughs> Oh, that would be the worst to get in a fight. Yeah. Mister Rogers walked in <laughs> on it and then like like gave you both like not a scolding because he doesn't do that, but like just made you both he, feel like <laughs> yeah he he would talk about how disappointed he was <laughs> yeah oh man Santa now Rosa. if we're lucky Lavar Burton will break us up if it's Lou Diamond Phillips we'd probably just kick both of our asses <laughs> Santa Rosa Toy Con is the place to be be sure to go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> um Seth. John Provost will sick Lassie on us. Oh no. All <laughs> three of the surviving Lassies. I don't actually know how many there are. I just made that up. Like probably none. Yeah. Dogs don't live that long. Stunt that lassies, show was old. Though. Like highly durable stunt lassies from modern day lassie stage shows. Yeah. Uh Seth, let's talk about what we got this week. Okay. Um, I'll just check in with you. Have you had any uh, fortune finding Transformers? I did. Hey! Not what I was really hoping to find, which is the last Dinobot that I don't have. Oh. But I did get one of these little tiny pretender guys. 
that looks like bludgeon that looks like one of the two best ones yeah it's it's pretty cool the other best one being octopunch obviously i haven't found octopunch yet don't rub it in well if you found bludgeon that means octopunch was there which does suck but it does mean that they're there uh so you might find one later maybe or maybe i'll just have to order it like i did like i'm going to do the brontosaurus guy because i can't find the brontosaurus guy Ah! it's very disheartening Uh, i believe in you seth i know you'll find both the brontosaurus and the octopunch now i am seeing tons and tons of those movie figures but i don't want them so it's not doing me any good and every time i see those movie figures i think you know what? I ain't never gonna find that Brontosaurus. You gotta. Never gonna, it's you, never gonna happen. You gotta get some toy swappers into your area so that they like swap the Brontosaurus in for one of the movie figures. Hmm. That could work. That's the spice. That's what that is. Uh, how's Tiny Bludgeon? Like he looks like he's pretty good. He's got a stick. Yeah, I mean, hey, you know all those other ones like this. Mm-hmm. Basically that but the colors are cool and he's got kind of a mechanical skull-ish face it's not like super skully but it it's it's got like a samurai helmet yeah that was cool he's got it going on you can you can lay him down and put the stick on his back so he is a larger wieldable stick yeah and there's like a hole in the back of his head so light comes through his empty eyes yeah <laughs> it's not light piping it's just light comes through his eyes and there's nothing in his eyes it's because he's because he's dead he's dead on the end he's, he's bludgeoned the yeah. skeleton samurai well congratulations on on finding i guess a consolation prize for what you're looking yeah. for uh i found something i was looking for at fan expo actually did you yeah, I uh, I picked up the two San Diego Comic-Con Transformers exclusives that they had there, that being the toy ones, but I haven't opened them yet, so I don't really have anything okay. to say about those. They did yeah. not have the Transformers, the collectible card game pack there, and I got mad for like a whole second. Um, the rumor, rumor on the street right now, scuttlebutt on the grapevine right now, is that uh, the Transformers card game is only coming to the States at this time. They plan to <laughs> have it show up everywhere else. But no Canadian gaming store is able to get a pre-order for it from Wizards, so no one knows what's going on, which <laughs> led many of us to think they probably won't have the cards at Fan Expo, will they? Well, it's because, it's because Trudeau won't sign that new trade agreement. For cards. Yeah. It's the very specific one. Yeah. Uh, that, that was the, that, that's the thing. That's the sticking point in the whole trade agreement, specifically collectible card games. Well, we had... We still had at Fan Expo some new stuff show up, that being Studio Series Iron Hide, uh, who you had to order off the sheet at the Hasbro booth uh, in the form of saying, I want one of Studio Series Movie 2 Starscream. And by that, I mean the black truck whose box says Ironhide, and then the person at the desk says, wait, I've been hearing this all day. What are you talking about? Can you show me? And you take him over to the display and see, see where the sign says Starscream, and the two toys say Optimus Prime and Ironhide. Uh, I'm looking for the Ironhide. And the guy says, why does the sign say Starscream? I'm like, I don't know. I don't work here. I am just looking to purchase the toy. Um, so I got Studio Series Ironhide, and he is a piece. He is great. The Studio Series Voyagers are home run after home run. Ironhide's no exception. Uh, obviously not perfect, but 
like all the other Voyagers, he pulls off an amazing transformation that feels friggin' good to do. And uh, they slipped in a few things in the robot mode that I'm really enjoying, like like wrist swivels. When that is a design, you certainly could get away with not having wrist swivels on. Uh, they, they tossed them in there. Um, if you had a waist joint and ankle tilts, he'd be much better. But uh, ankle tilts, I actually don't see how you could fit those onto that design without a slightly different transformation. Um, I am really interested to see if someone makes, on a mass-produced level... Uh, a replacement front bumper that can fold up a little bit in to, to clean up his midriff because uh, someone has a custom one out there. Looks maybe 3D printed or something, and it, it, it is really doing the trick uh, for the silhouette. But uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend any of the Voyagers from Studio Series if you want to dip a toe into that line. Uh, the Voyagers have been the home runs. The Deluxes have been pretty good outside of uh, Crowbar, but uh, the Voyagers are, are where all the action's at, in my opinion. And Ironhide's no exception. Um, so that's the on-topic stuff I got this week. Hey, speaking of Transformers... Yeah. ...and card games, did you ever acquire that Hascon exclusive Grimlock Magic the Gathering card? I did not. He came in a three-pack, where if you want to get that three-pack right now, uh, it's 150 bucks, and if you just want the Grimlock card, it is 150 bucks. No one cares about the other two cards, um, it is uh, Grimlock who is the expensive card, and they made a double-sided Grimlock playmat that costs more than all those cards put together. It is like over two hundred bucks on the aftermarket. You know, if you don't have that card, you are neither a Transformer nor a Magic: The Gathering true fan. I know, and you know what's worse? That card uh, has a Commander deck people have made for it, and that Grimlock card is a double-sided card. And to flip it, you have to transform a Transformers-branded Transformers piece from robot mode to alt mode. It was confirmed at Gen Con that you could legally satisfy that condition by taking one of the Transformers TCG character cards and just flip them over. Because you have then transformed an official Transformers item from robot mode to alt mode, satisfying the Grimlock transformation condition on the magic card. This was confirmed by Wizards of the Coast designers. So I, I very much want to get that Grimlock card even more... Uh, but I don't want it to $150 get it. So I'm not sure what to do. $160. Seth, can you steal one for me with all your uh, connections? What connections do I have? I don't know. Like you're getting Are into you the, suggesting I'm in the mob? You're getting into that tabletop gaming world. Maybe you've got a source who's sitting on a hot stack, a Hascon MTG. Well, our D&D party does have three rogues in it now for some reason. Half the party are rogues. That's a balanced party. That's good for storytelling. Yeah, we have a barbarian, a cleric, a ranger, a bard that just multi-classed into paladin, and then three rogues. You need a robot. That's what you need. Uh, A stupid robot that gets really mad if you say robot, like the player gets really mad if you say robot and starts yelling at people at the table. Like once that upon a kind time, of a robot? Once upon a time, I would have said yes, but I'm so irritated by that story now, I'd actually say no, you need a good robot who <laughs> does his job and uh, actually wants uh, to have a storytelling experience is what, what you should have. Yeah, so back in the oldie days, uh, there was a magazine called Dragon Magazine, and it was full of stuff about D&D &D and other games from the fine folks at TSR. 
and in it was an ongoing uh comic i think they did like three pages a month called snarf quest and it was set in a dnd like fantasy world and they mixed in some sci-fi and there was a character who was a robot and there was a, a story that was added to the uh, collected Snarf Quest book that came out when Snarf Quest was over and all the story, all the comics were assembled in one volume. Then there was like a, a short uh, original to the collection uh, story where the, the characters come back to the fantasy world after being off in space for like half the series to discover that there is an order of knights based on the robot character. And they're they're called robot. They call themselves robots, and their little the little vows they recite are like, "I am a robot. I do not eat. I am a robot. I do not sleep. I am a robot. I go beep." Um, that's not exactly it, but that's just that that's what I remember. <laughs> right. So when this guy in our D and D group said, "I'm going to play Warforged," which are like stupid robots, um, I brought that book, and I said, "Hey, it's like this." And he goes, "That's funny, but." It's not actually a robot. Warforce aren't robots. And that was the beginning of what became the stupid robot drama that literally had this guy yelling threats at people <laughs> and cursing at the game table. Well, if only he understood <laughs> that he was playing a robot, it would make it a yeah. lot simpler. It, this stupid robot. <laughs> yeah. It, it says right here in the source material. Um. Seth, that, that's all I got on topic this week, so let's go off topic. Did you get anything all else right. uh, this week? Any, um, any stuff? No, I didn't. Nani? No, I got some more D&D miniatures, but, I mean, oh, I have to paint them. There was um, there was a, a booth that had a whole bunch of miniatures. They had all their Warhammer stuff um, 15% off. And then they had a whole bunch of D and D stuff, which included they were already painted the ones they had for sale. They had, I think they had unpainted ones too, but they had like an in house painter, and it was like th- it was um it was dungeon tiles, but they were like little dioramas. So it's like if you were laying out a dungeon, like this tile would be like here's an actual diorama yeah. of what's on this tile. Um, it looked really cool, and then I was like, Seth knows about this stuff, <laughs> uh, and then I was like, I don't want to spend lots of money on it, so I walked away. I watched a video on how to make um, three-dimensional dungeon tile kind of pieces. Oh. It uh, doesn't look that hard. You can just well, cut some foam. Yeah, it's you're, and, it's uh, all based on, on like, this, the grid dimensions, right? So it's not like you really yeah. have to account for anything. Right. Yeah, you just need a ruler, a knife, and sheets of foam. And uh, cut them up, paint them. Doesn't seem that hard. I might do it one of these days. I have other projects that I'm not doing that I want to do. Yeah. I want to get a resin printer. I want to get an Anycubic 3D resin printer. Is that the one that lifts the, the thing up out of the material? Yeah, out of the goo. Yeah. I want to get a... It doesn't have the striations. I want to get a striations I... printer because I found these 3D printer files to make um 3d printed inserts for board game boxes so you can put cards into them more organizedly uh-huh. and i really like the idea of that because i'm a complete freak about sorting and organizing and storing cards um it's really like it's scratching an itch on me i didn't know i had um but i don't have a 3d printer which is making it very cost prohibitive uh, 
So I'm looking into how to use the 3D printers at the Toronto Library and then realizing that the pieces of, of these card storage inserts are probably all like by themselves each a one-day job at the library and they don't want you to print giant things there. And then the one I really want to do I think involves two giant hunks of printing that I'm not sure I could actually do at the library. So I don't know what to do right now. Well, you can get a uh, <coughs> a decent printer for... For a lot, two hundred, which turns into like three fifty Canadian. We'll buy it from a Canadian. Well, they they already have them priced at like three fifty Canadian. That's that's no, not Well, the one I'm looking at is like five hundred. <laughs> I'm looking at something more expensive. Yeah, like the the Anycubic is uh about five hundred. Well, I think because I want to print things that are approximately like. You know, ten inches long or whatever, nine or ten inches. Yeah, long. you do. So, oh like, yeah, you do. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Card <laughs> inserts for real. <laughs> so like, that's I can't just get one of those dinky little printers because then like, one of them, I'm gonna like print half a thing and start gluing them together like some kind of plebe. No. Um. Well, uh, I was gonna yeah. also remind me. I'd, was, I'd be like printing miniatures. There, there was a there was a dice booth at fan expo who only were selling dice and they uh-huh. had a huge tub full of like d10s and d20s that you could just run a cup through and the sound it made when people did that was amazing it sounded like the ocean was it chess x it wasn't chess x it was just like some little outfit because i thought for oh, a second weird. like is this chess x but they didn't see the logo anywhere uh, my girlfriend keeps talking about how she wants to go to a <laughs> convention that has like a chess x booth or something that's PAX. That's Gen Con. Yeah. That's actually those are that, far away. I would say that's PAX Unplugged or Gen Con is what you'd want. Uh, I want to go to Gen Con sometimes so I could, like, surprise Aaron and just jump up behind him and go, like, I'm going to kill you! And then, like, get really mad at him when he turns <laughs> around and punches me. Um, I got I got one other off-topic thing uh, I'll highlight because they have a Kickstarter going on right now, and they're <laughs> local, and I like them. Uh, local. I, at Com Bravo, I met these folks from a company called Zmind Games, uh, and they were demoing their still. It was about a year old uh, this year. Um, card game. It's a martial arts card game called Uncaged World Fighters, and they have a Kickstarter going up because um, they want to move their operations up into a sort of higher tier. Uh, and they also, as part of this Kickstarter, are kickstarting two new expansion decks: one for Taekwondo and one for pro wrestling. Uh, and they, currently they have like a starter set and they have Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Kung Fu as expansions. And, uh, it's a super fun game. Uh, if you want to look it up, go to uncaged-cards.com or look up uncaged card game. The Kickstarter is running until the end of the month on September 25th in the evening is when it's, uh, it's finishing up. And I want it to succeed because I want to play more of this game. I really like it. And at, uh, Fan Expo, I uh, I saw they were going to be there, so I, I took my Con Bravo haul of cards I bought from them, because I like them a lot, so I bought, like, one of everything at Con Bravo, and then I constructed some decks, and I played some Constructed Uncaged, and that game opened up a whole lot in Constructed, uh, as far as my own tastes, and I, I got quite a flavor for it, and want to play more, so I want this Kickstarter to succeed, I am completely biased. Also, I like them because they are Toronto local, and that makes me instantly like creative people even more, because then I feel like I'm supporting local talent. Um, so I, when I was at 
Japan Expo. I played a bunch of games, and then I wanted to build more decks, and I didn't want to strip down decks I'd already made, so I bought another training gym pack, which is just, like, 90 extra copies of, um, like, what do you call them, uh, basic staples cards that most decks could use. So I just have a nice, I have a nice big fat card pool uh, to, to build from. Um, so anyway, go look up that game if that sounds interesting. Uh, and if it doesn't, look it up anyway and go plug into the Kickstarter because I want it to succeed and I'm biased. Uh, card games are fun. I'm really looking forward to TFCon Chicago when it sounds like a whole bunch of folks are going to be up for playing the Transformers card game. And I'll be in the States, so if I haven't got any cards before then, then I will just friggin' find some there. <laughs> Uh, make me a deck. Um, and that's that's all I got this week. Uh, Seth, I saw a bunch of other Dra- Dungeons and Dragons looking stuff, but I didn't really know what any of it was. Um, oh well, there were there were old books too, like old editions in like l- comic long boxes, and that was kind of neat to look at. Like, oh, yeah. Tons and tons of old D and D books, uh, or miniatures. Yeah, I, I was at a place they had like some old. AD&D and second edition books and it was just like nostalgia awesome to flip through the pages real quick and be like oh I remember all this artwork yeah uh what else is there there was also um what was it there was another table who was selling like card game stuff and because card game tables were always like a mixture of magic Pokemon and sometimes Yu-Gi-Oh um people were kind of trying to figure out what you were looking at and I was kind of just eyeballing everything because I was just curious and so i was like oh yeah i'm into magic um you know i lived i lived downtown and then this this guy they, they their store is not downtown they're, they're in another city another nearby city but like i don't think i did anything to start this but on a dime the dude kind of went like yeah it's a shame the state magic's in it's so terrible right now just a garbage state the cards are terrible games just not going anywhere and it's like one of those yeah. conversations where you feel like like, you don't know what you did to suddenly be in this conversation, but you want to just agree with everything because it means you can get out of the conversation. Did, did the guy have a beard? Uh, I don't remember. Did he have a black eye? Uh, no, no, no. He, uh, okay. he, it's he, not the guy I'm thinking of then. He, no, this was a Canadian fellow, um, okay. who, who did not seem to advocate for any form of genocide. So he he's mostly seemed to be really mad about the state of Magic the Gathering. Um, well, I, so is the guy I'm thinking of. I, Maybe you know, for different reasons, though. As far as I can, I've looked back and it's like, no, it looks like the Ixalan block was kind of a, a snoozer for a lot of folks. It's cool. It's just like the block that got the set that got me back in Dominaria on all accounts was great. So when people are like, oh, the state of Magic, though, I'm kind of like, literally everyone thinks Dominaria was great. I don't. I mean, yes, the game's probably in a state of some kind, but it's a weird thing to say coming off the back of a really good set. <laughs> I don't know. Well, fans of things always hate everything. W- new. <laughs> w- anything new. Yeah. The new version of anything. They hate it. It's supposed to be exactly the same forever, all, but when it isn't, I'm mad that there isn't new stuff. Ah, I'm a fan. I mean, like, hey, there's a set after Dominaria now, Core 2019. I certainly don't think it's as good as Dominaria, but it, I, I then learned by reading conversations, core sets are usually aiming to be a lot more simple and, and beginner-oriented. Uh, I still think that doesn't quite explain the part where there are, like, just a bunch of modern cards that are actually useless and sealed in that set, but uh, Dominaria is great, and Dominaria is still kicking around. 
I am happy to draft some Dominaria any day of the week. That is a fun set to draft. Um, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm looking at the Uncaged Card Game subreddit now because they're talking about their Twitch streams. So I'm going to stop recording this podcast now. Seth, thank you for joining me this week at this late hour. Sure. Yeah. Why not? I mean, it's not that bad here. This terrifyingly <laughs> late hour here and then central real time. Uh. I'm not in Central, I'm in Eastern. I meant Central as in I'm the center of the universe, but that just came out like I don't know what time zone I'm in. That's, <laughs> that's, un- that's unfortunate. Time zones, shmime zones. This is what I say, because who needs shmimes pretending like they're in glass boxes and nonsense? Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you again with some more Transformer stuff sooner than later. And until then, please stay safe. Bye. It means, but you got some badass perpetrators and they're here to stay.